All right, it is part two of best and worst trades in Minnesota sports history. Jeff Day back with me again. I am Michael Rand. We did the best trades, the 10 best trades in a draft format in Minnesota sports history on um, on yesterday's show. And now we are going to do the worst. Uh, Jeff, I don't know about you. The, the best were a lot of fun. It, it's kind of nice to be positive, but these are probably the ones that get talked about more. We have more of a proclivity to remember the worst deals, do we not? Yeah, and you know, talking about the best, you kind of can see the the way that that it works. That there is something about the acquisition of something good that doesn't have the flavor. You know what I mean? It's like we look yes. at all the great players they've acquired, and you go, "Yeah, but." <laughs> Whereas this, every one of these trades, I think, at least the most of them that I have on my list, it's. You just look at the names and go, we gave up that for that. You just can't yeah. even believe it. So yeah. um, I, I'm excited about this. I will say, looking back to yesterday's trade, I should have had Jared Allen where I had Devin Dubnik. I, those should have been swapped. I have uh, remorse about it, and that's okay. Um, so anyway, we'll move forward. We'll see what mistakes are made here, but very excited about it. And no, wait, you're going first now. You I'm going first, and I, and I have absolutely no regrets about yesterday, as opposed to a lot of the general managers who made some of these moves. Yes, I have the number one overall pick in the worst trades in Minnesota sports history. Um, it, this is almost too easy, but it's still, uh, and for for the rest of time, this is probably going to be it, but the acquisition of Herschel Walker in the middle of the 1989 season with Dallas, which turned into a bazillion draft picks for Dallas that formed the basis of their Super Bowl dynasties of the early 90s. The Vikings, of course, did not, uh, spoiler alert, win the Super Bowl with Herschel Walker, did not even make the Super Bowl. Don't even believe they even, I don't know if they won a playoff game with Herschel. I think they got to the playoffs in 89, but it was not pretty from there. He, you know, he had a great first game. We were all excited. He lost his shoe on one run, and then it just kind of all fell apart. Now, can you even imagine, Jeff, making a trade for, what was he like? I don't know how old he was at the time, but like trading for, Imagine that trade today, like trading for a running back, running back, it, you yeah. know, giving up all of that for a running back in today's game. I guess it made a sort of amount of sense then, but it blew up in their faces and did not work. And it was just an obvious pick. We all know it. Do you think this was the trade that shifted how draft picks were considered? Yeah, in, because in I think Florida? I think Dallas like had the option of taking like picks or players and the Vikings thought they were going to take players and they end up taking picks and it just it 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 you see the value of those picks, right? Number one, I mean they got the first yeah, it's just it the Emmett Smith pick, obviously it's like that's something that everybody looks at with this. You go, my God, they got now that was the number 17 pick. And I'm sure the Vikings, if you were to say to them, what what's the value of the number 17 overall pick in the first round? It's like, yeah, maybe you get Emmett Smith or maybe you don't, you know, and so it's kind of a coin flip. But I would say in today's the way that fans today, and we'll talk about this with the Gobert thing that I'm sure is going to get brought up at some point, that draft picks have become now, I think, in the eyes of many fans, far more valuable than even sometimes star players. It's like they they yeah. have a, a real commodity to them that I wonder if this is when some of that started to shift because you just go back in time and I can't think of many deals that were so draft pick based that blew up in the team's face. You know, this seems like the first one of those. Yeah, and it was, it was, uh, I'm just looking at the, the absolute particulars of this. He, he was 27 when they, when they traded him. So, you know, what would be considered mm. probably like starting to be over the hill in, 
in the NFL running back parlance these days. The Vikings gave up just a, a ransom for him. It was uh, okay. I'm, I'm I'm pulling up all the particulars. I had him before. I got I got yeah, him. Okay, yeah, okay. so yeah, yeah. October twelfth, nineteen eighty nine. Um, so here it is. It's it's everything they gave up for Herschel Walker. So they gave, <laughs> it was on the Wikipedia page. You almost need like two pages it ended up being like a three-team trade almost with the chargers but so the the, the cowboys got jesse solomon david howard isaac holt alex stewart three first round picks three second round picks a third round pick and a sixth round pick vikings got herschel walker a couple thirds a fifth and a tenth and that was that and Darren Nelson quietly out there going over to San Diego. You yes, know and Darren Nelson going to San Diego. Like, just the amount that they gave up, just like, and the fact that, you know, this was an underrated part of the Denny Green tenure, by the way, the fact that he was able to come in in 92 after they gave up first, second, and third, essentially first, second, first and second round picks in 90 and 91, and yeah. to come in here in 92 and still be able to, to make the playoffs a bunch of times despite not having really any draft capital from those two years of any of any of any quality that that's important. That's impressive to me. Well, and the thing too, with this is uh, Walker doesn't stay long, you know, no. not only, yes. Not only do you give up a lot, but he provides nothing, you know, next nothing. to nothing for the franchise. So he, it's an easy pick. I think it's probably, even if we were to do the worst trades in sports history, um, yes, it, this was one of the worst in sports history, if not the one worst. Of the worst yes. Mm-hmm. It is certainly up there. So, you know, you were handed a gift. I was handed um, a gift. Yes. And you did exactly what you should. You opened it yeah. and you, you enjoyed yeah. it. So I had to do it. I had to do it. Okay. You All have right. the number two overall pick in this draft. Who do you, what do you take? I'm taking this out of, um, I, I, this pick, if this happened today, it would be one of the most aggravating trades in the history of Minnesota sports. I think it's kind of um, lost to the terrible history that surrounded the reason for the trade. But strictly as a trade, the 1979 trading of Rod Carew to the Angels is one of the – it has to be a nadir for Minnesota sports, both because of what was happening, that it was this – you know racist words yes. coming out of Calvin Griffith's mouth right. at Peru to saying, I'm out. I'm not playing for this per This is over. So think about being a fan. You are now taking an MVP, the greatest yes. hitter in baseball. And you are saying we have just, what has happened? This person is asking to leave our franchise because of our idiot owner. That to me is what takes this from, you know, um, if you were just to look at it strictly as a trade of players, even on that level, it is a miserable trade. The Twins got nothing because they had no leverage. You know, you're trading one of the greatest players. And he would go on to have a great career in, in California. You know, it's like it. I think it's an underrated, terrible trade. I think it's I think it can be argued as one of the worst trades in baseball. It and it just baffles me. And I think if it were to happen today, it would be the kind of thing that would have led to the ouster of you know what I mean? I think it would have been the end yeah. of an ownership. It would have been like a Dan Snyder thing. It would have been the end of that person's reign is of owning a franchise. It's so heinous. But also, just as a fan, to lose a player like Rod Crew, it's so great that he's maintained these excellent ties here. You know, yes. and is such a fantastic you know ambassador for the Twins and for baseball. But oh my God, I can only imagine being a, a Twins fan at that time and having that happen. I love the trend here too. By the way, of 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 on this show. Um, we're, 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 we're incorporating a lot of people in these best and worst trades who have actually been on 
daily delivery. I'm, I'm just kind of looking back to the list. AJ Pruszynski was on just a few weeks yeah, ago. That's right. Great. Lindsay Whalen has been on a couple times. Um, Justin Jefferson has been on this show mm. before. Um, let me look at who else. Who else has been on the? And then just you talking right now about Rod Crew. Rod Crew was on one of the early shows as well. Um, I did not have that on my list. I probably should have. I just looked at it from a pure baseball sense, and I was like. They had him for 12 years. They kind of got the best of Rod Carew, even though he was still very good with the Angels after that. You know, he his best years were with the Twins, winning seven batting titles, hitting 388 in 1977. So from a pure baseball standpoint, even though the trade wasn't great, even though they didn't get much in value, it wasn't it wasn't as egregious in terms of like what he had left in his career. But you're right. The circumstances that forced the trade, I probably should have taken that more into consideration. But I would still say, even taking that into consideration, when you look at some of the trades that we'll get into, yeah. I still think this he was a perennial all-star in California. He, he wasn't at his height of maybe what he was doing with the Twins. That's fair. But he still was hitting well over 300. He's producing. He's playing. And to me, it's also the thing of you lose an identifiable poor P. It's kind of like when all the discussion around trading Joe Maurer all those years. You're like, yeah, he's not producing at that level anymore. And as a fan, sometimes... I am a sentimentalist at times yes. where I go, this is a great player, a foundational part of your franchise. If you can keep him, you should. And to lose him, and there's no world on God's earth where they would ever have traded Rod Carew. That is no. what you know. It would have never happened. So yes. um, anyway, I, I can see your point of view, How, but uh, I, stand, I stand by it. I like it. I, can, I, I like I hate I, it. I, I, like, hate it. I, I like that but, there's controversy right off the top. And I also love... That I like I feel like one of those like fantasy football owners where it's like, oh, I can't believe I get to take these two picks. Um, you you leave me the Rudy Gobert trade, and I'm taking oh. it. I'm taking it right here at number okay. three. Um, and and again, maybe this is re- there's a ton of recency bias in all of this. Like I, I my history just doesn't go back far enough to fully appreciate the good and bad that probably happened before. 1985 or, or something like that. So, you know, that I, I appreciate the, the Carew perspective in there. And this trade's obviously just a year old, um, but, and I liked it at the time. And I think, I think one thing that I will say, even as we kind of malign the fact that they gave up four first round picks, uh, what two pick swaps, wow. their, their, their 2022 first round pick Walker Kessler, who turns out to be a pretty good player for Utah, last year and essentially does go bear things for about a, a, a tenth of the go bear price plus Malik Beasley, Jared Vanderbilt and uh, 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 Patrick Beverly. Um, what they, what they gave up in players to me was basically inconsequential. You didn't know what, what Walker Kessler was going to be that, that, that part hurts. That part adds to it. The picks hurt the, the part, the two pieces that, that really drive this over the top are a, all of by trading all of those picks, you can no longer make a trade like that, right? You've, you've taken yourself because of NBA rules, like you can no longer trade a draft pick until like 2030 or something like that. You you are you are no longer able to make a trade of similar magnitude if you want to, and that that piece of it hurts. The other piece of it, though, that really is lost in some of what happened last year and how this trade is evaluated is the biggest disappointment in this isn't just the trade; it's that the player they thought they were getting Rudy Gobert was not the player that he had been. He was not who he had been last year. And I don't know if that's 
age, if that's how they were using him, if it's just kind of a natural decline, or if it was, you know, a combination of learning a new system, he's going to be better. Like, I think there's still time to judge this trade differently. If Gobert is more like the player who is six times in a row, first time, first team, all NBA defense, won like two or three defensive player of the year awards. Like that was a six year span leading up to this trade. This was not like distant past. Like that was the player they thought they were getting. He was not that he got zero votes for the all defensive team first, second or third this year after being six times in a row, first team, all defense. So the player they got influences this trade, but as it looks right now, this trade is terrible. I think um, I disagree with you um, in that. I don't think, I don't think it's fair to put this here um, strictly because we don't, I don't think we know. I think Gobert, Gobert is the easiest target on God's green earth. I mean, yes. he touched the COVID mics. It's like yes. his his game is a little bit uh, anachronistic. You know what I mean? He, he tried seemed, to punch Kyle Anderson. He took a swing at slow-mo. We slow-mo. have all kinds of issues here. A fast um, swing at slow-mo. He was not in the Laker game where nope. we could have used some rebounding. That We, oh my God, we could have, the Wolves could have used some rebounding. I love the Wolves. Your um, fandom is showing. I love oh, it. Oh, I love the Wolves. And I will say this. This isn't even the worst trade in Wolves history. Um, oh, come on. Come you on. come on. No, you come on. Uh, what yeah. I will say is this. The assets that they have given up are, as of right now, n- not, you cannot judge it. It's much in the way that we can look at certain trades that were positive and say that they were positive because of how things played out, like sort of yes. trading for Johan Santana for Jared right. Right? right? Now, Walker Kessler might become a great player. He might become a role player. And you go, you know what? There's some other Walker Kesslers out there. We can find them. There are these other draft picks that they get. Knowing Utah, knowing Danny Ainge, they might be packaged someday for XYZ player. And then right. you go, well, you know, at some point, I think the argument and why we all liked this trade on paper when it happened, I, th- I think that there was a lot of people who hated the package. They said the number of picks is insane. Uh, for this player because of his limitations. Everybody knew his limitations coming into this. It's not like everybody went, wow, Rudy Gobert can't dribble. It's like everybody knew he couldn't dribble. Right. The issue was that this is the guy you're staking all of this weight to, which is what you said. But on paper, the Wolves were coming out of a year where they looked highly competitive. They looked exciting. They played a young top-seeded Memphis Grizzlies team to within an inch of their life. If they knew how to hold a lead, they could have won that series. And what limited them from holding that lead? Interior defense and rebounding. So anybody looking at Rudy Gobert would be, boy, what does he give you? Well, he gives you the best interior defense and the best rebounding in the NBA. And he's a tremendous scorer at the rim, which can pair well with Carl Anthony Towns out on the perimeter doing his stuff. Yeah. On paper, it made a lot of sense. Everything that could go wrong last year with the Wolves went wrong. Gobert is hurt entering the season. Yeah. Towns goes down early. They don't even get to play a preseason game. Maybe they played yep. one. You know, Towns goes down midway through this, or, you know, whatever, 13 games. Yeah, he missed 52 season. games last year. Right. So, okay, he's gone. And then by the time they get together, there's that stretch. You remember it. You got my fandom showing. You remember it. They get together and they go on this West Coast road trip late in the season. And all of a sudden, it's like, oh, my God, I think they went and beat Phoenix after they had gotten yeah. Kevin Durant. They're, they they beat the Warriors. They are looking like, I don't know, like there's something that maybe could be happening here. And in that playoff series with Denver, um, my feeling was that the Wolves showed why they made that deal and that 
if the ancillary pieces are there, Gobert gets to just be what he is. And I think if they had had um, Nas Reed in that series, these are all what ifs. But my only point is you can see the roster. You can see the construction in them going, if we build this outright, we can we can create something that can compete in these in these playoff series. And I still believe in that. I mean, I don't think I'm delusional. I like this team. I like the depth that they have. And I think if you were to look at them and say, um, would you do this differently? I think the answer is 100% yes. I mean, Kevin Durant didn't get the package that Utah got for right. Rudy Gobert. They went insane on the package. Um, but I still think it's a wait and see type thing. I still think that with the right um, pieces around this core group, that they could be a team that could make a run in the playoffs. We'll see. I don't know. We'll see. I, I, think, there, I think there's time to judge this trade differently, but we only all we know is right now. And right yes. now I've got some serious questions about it. And I, I think ultimately... He and Towns just don't fit. I know it was a small sample size last year. I know they're going to try it. It seems like they're going to try it again this year. Uh, maybe this trade only makes sense if and when they eventually trade Towns, if that's what's going to happen. So we'll see. We'll see how this becomes judged in three or four years. Yeah. But yeah, right now I've got some. I've got some major questions, especially from where I started on this deal. Okay, you, you've got well, the number. Like, yeah, not to begrudge the point that you're making, which is totally fair. This could be Herschel Walker. Yes. You know what I mean? It has all of those capabilities yes. or possibilities. So the fact that it's here, I think it's, I can understand it. I disagree with it, but I can, okay. I can understand. Okay. Okay. You got the fourth overall pick. Who are you taking? Oh my God. There's so many terrible picks to choose yeah. from. Yes. Um, there are a lot of great, a lot of great bad trades. This is sentimental. Okay. I'm it's going. It all, it all is. It all is. I'm going back to 2008 when the twins traded Johan Santana. Okay. Yep. For a package led by Carlos Gomez. Yep. And, you know, what, Phil Humber and Philip Humber. Yeah. Um, And what and here's the other thing about this trade. The ultimate reward was Jim Huey. Okay, more or less over the course of the way that everything panned out with them trading Gomez for, you know, I think they traded him for J.J. Hardy down the road. And uh, he goes on. He had a better career in Milwaukee than he had in Minnesota. Um. And you kind of end up with nothing, I think, is how I would describe this. Yeah. You know, you take what has to arguably be the best pitcher, in, at least in terms of high-end talent, the best pitcher in, in franchise history, and you get nothing. You, the, package, yeah. the package lacked the kind of thing that you need. And the Wolves have made a similar trade, but it lacked the kind of player or the kind of picks that you want to see. Now, baseball and draft picks is a whole different world than every yes. other sport. But in this instance, you just look at the prospects they got and you look at the results and you go, um, whether or not Santana had the career after he went to New York, right. I think besides the point. At the time, he was the most valued pitcher in baseball. Yes. And the package they got for him did not live up to any kind of, you know, best of. You know? So no, that's and- yeah. And even at the time they made it, you looked at it and you were like, okay, it's like, these aren't like the top, top, top prospects. Yes. You had, you had some hope for it if you were a twins fan, but I think that's what, that, that, that's the real kicker. Like some of these, some of these trades, a lot of these trades just get, get judged, especially if they're for prospects and how the prospects worked out, which may be fair or unfair. Cause it's, you know, that's a, that's kind of a crap shoot, but even you looked at it on, you know, on balance, you were like, ah, did, you know, they, they got a lot of names, but does anybody in there really stand out? 
And they didn't stay. I mean, they no. got rid of Gomez three years or something. I mean, yeah, it's it's just it goes it, it it goes back to like we've talked about before, where the best trades that the Twins ever made typically were grabbing a star and dumping a package that didn't turn into anything. Right, and that is the exact opposite of what happened here. They took a star and turned it into nothing of of substance. No. They traded um, a traded. Yeah, there was that was not good. That was actually number three on my list. I'm we're we're back to agreeing for a, a little <laughs> while. Brief time, okay. Um, okay, here's uh, I'll, here's my here's my next pick. This is my I guess this is my third pick, fifth overall. You know they were they were kind of backed into a corner on this one, maybe more than kind of, but it just in just in looking back on 2018, what the Wolves were able to get back for Jimmy Butler, I mm. I don't it was it was almost too bad that. Tom Thibodeau was making that trade because he was making it with that year and the immediate future in mind. If you were, if you had more of, um, if you had more job security, if you weren't in this yes. kind of tenuous spot, you could have set yourself up for some future success, some draft picks, some young players, things like that. Instead, they get back from Philadelphia, Robert Covington, a nice player. I like Rocco. I think he fit in for a time when he was healthy, he was a good player, but certainly nobody that you confuse with being a star or anything more than just a really good three and D kind of player. Dario Saric, who is a nice player still in the NBA, like a productive solid rotation piece. But again, nobody that's going to knock your socks off Jared Bayless, who was essentially a throw and had to play for them for a while yeah. that year because a bunch of their point guards got hurt. They were down to like their fourth point guard and a second round pick. That's all they got. Plus they gave up, their previous uh, first round pick, Jer- Justin Patton, who didn't turn out to be anything. But anyway, they gave him up as part of that deal, too. So I just yeah. I look at that and I'm like, man, not only did they misjudge severely Jimmy Butler's happiness and what he would what lengths he would go to to get out of Minnesota, but they leveraged themselves to the point where this is all they could get back for a guy who is, you know, arguably one of the top 10 players in the NBA still five years later. Well, and I'll say that you can really make a case that the, that this should be like your Kevin Kevin Fiala trade from yesterday because I had the opposite end of this trade as being one of the worst in sport in Minnesota sports history, which was trading Zach Levine, Chris Dunn, and Laurie Markkinen for Jimmy Butler. I like and, that trade. I almost had that in my top ten best trades. But how can you have how can you have it in your best trades when the guy explodes the franchise a year later? And you did. You didn't know that was going to happen at the time. That wouldn't have happened if they had yeah, made but, different decisions. If they walked away we, from Andrew Wiggins, know, if they'd done things well, differently. You don't, you don't know that Herschel Walker is going to be miserable and that Emmett Smith's going to get. You don't know, but we know. We yeah. know. So we get to judge. We get to judge. That's at <laughs> least the that the trade with the Bulls is at least a neutral trade in my book. It is not a worse is, trade. I okay. Um, I, I to me that trade reeked of Tom Thibodeau having too much power. That is yeah. what that reeked of. And it was short-sighted in that if you he thought he had control and he had no control. He had no control over Jimmy Butler. So anyway, I I um I like I I, I would say that both sides of that trade, in my opinion, are okay. terrible. You like the other one. But anyway, I, I'm fine well, with the uh, I, would, I would certainly say they gave up more than they got back. I will, yes. I will agree with that. That is the, that yes. is that is a that is a point. Anyway, you know, Dunn didn't really have much of an impact, so that wasn't too much. Markkinen was a nice, is a nice player. Like I think the Bulls got the best of the players in that deal. Levine's been good for the Bulls, obviously. So that, that one hurts, but you know, it was, 
it was the kind of thing where at the time he was hurt, they couldn't keep him because he was coming off that ACL. So there, there was a lot of components to that. Team. Yes, that's fair. MGM Wine and Spirits is the choice for savings, service, and a great selection of spirits, premixed cocktails, wines, and of course, ice cold beers and hard seltzers. With over 30 locations throughout the Twin Cities and beyond, there's an MGM near you. Head to MGMWineAndSpirits.com to find a convenient location in your area. Get social. Follow MGM on Facebook and Instagram for all the latest news and trends. Make great moments with MGM Wine and Spirits, your locally owned and operated choice for over 50 years. Save time, save money. Shop MGM. Um, okay, we okay. are now at six, number six. Six overall, your third pick. We're sticking. I don't know. This just speaks to the franchise. Um, I'm going Kevin Garnett to Boston for Al Jefferson, yeah. Sebastian Telfair, Ryan Gomes, and a first round pick. Um, the Wolves deserve all of the all the misery that comes their way when it comes to their history of trades. Um, this was a, a travesty, an embarrassment. Yeah. The moment it happened, um, a clear backhand or a backdoor pat you on your back, buddy, buddy. Danny Ainge, Kevin McHale, let's do some little side negotiation to ship off one of the greatest players in NBA history. Um, and you think about, you know, not that everything being equal, but you think about what Rudy Gobert took for Utah and you look at a package like this that the Wolves got. When you trade a player like Kevin Garnett, you better build your future. Yes. You better build your whole future right then. You have one shot to go from the greatest draft pick in the history of your organization the greatest yes. player in the history of your organization. And they botched it so terribly. And I, I didn't hate Al Jefferson. No, he you was know. good. He was a good yeah. player. I liked big Al. Um, he did not last. Um, he was, yeah. He was limited. He got injured, but he was, he was always going to be limited. Yes, exactly. He, he was not a game changing type player. And then every, every ancillary piece did nothing for me. It did nothing yeah. for me at the time. It did nothing for me the rest of the way. So essentially what this became was a one for one. Kevin Garnett for Al Jefferson. And uh, it's a travesty. It remains the worst. The worst moment for me, I think, as a fan was I can remember where I was. I was at a hula hands. (laughs) So, you know, it was a long time ago. Oh, my God. At the Hoolies, sitting down and I look up at ESPN on and I'm just sitting there going, I cannot believe, you know, the rumblings had been there. But when you saw the package, it was just like, I just can't believe what I'm seeing. So I hate that. I hate talking about it. Even even now you hate talking about it. That was awesome. That was like, I had that like a 10. So I had that one on my list, but I didn't have it as high as you did. But I think okay. that's, a, that's, a, that's a good one. That, that's a good bad trade. Yeah. Um, okay, where am I going at seven here? I'm, I'm, kind, of, I'm kind of dancing yeah, so all around. I'm I think like I got, giving you options. I feel like you think you're winning this. Like, I'm not, you know, I don't think I'm winning this, but I like, I like the, right yeah, I, I feel like I thought we would have more agreement on this list than the, uh, than, the, than the one yesterday with the best trades. But instead, it's been a little bit more all over the map. I'm going to, okay, I'm going to go with, um, okay. I'm going to go, I'm going to go with the twins here. And this is maybe like a kind of an obscure trade, but I think this kind of was something that really defined the bill Smith era. This was not oh, the boy. Santana trade, no obviously, way. cause you already picked that the Matt Garza and Jason Bartlett to the Rays for Delman young and Brendan Harris. And I think there was maybe one other player involved in that Garza goes on to have some really good years in Tampa Bay. Jason Bartlett anchors, you know, shortstop for them for a few years. Like they're they're just like these low cost players that become symbols of these really good Rays teams. While Delman Young, um, you know, former number one overall pick, but like just an 
analytics nightmare. Just a guy who like has empty RBIs. Like all he does is he, all he can do is like maybe knock in a run, but it's, it's because he has to be in a specific spot in the order. Just, you know, he had one good year for them, but it was never going to be sustainable. And, you know, Brendan Harris was a perfectly fine utility player, but just even when it, when the trade happened, it made no sense. It was mm-hmm. kind of, a symbol of kind of the beginning of the end because they still were relevant for a couple more years there, but then the bottom fell out and you know, you had 2011, 2012, 2013, like all those bad years. This was a move that set them up for future failure. I had this on my list too. Um, I had it at 10. I, the thing that I remember most about Matt Garza at the time I had just started working at the star tribune and I was doing the scoreboard yeah. page. And that included the Twins minor league report. Okay. And I remember in like 06, I think it was, he he was coming on in the minors in a way that was like, oh my God, we have we have an ace coming. Um, I went and pulled these stats. He was 14 and four with a 1.99 ERA that year. Wow. He was climbing, just climbing his way up to the Twins minor league systems. Like they couldn't stop promoting him. Yeah. Um, and then he goes to AAA, has a fantastic year at AAA, and they call him up, and it's like this guy's going to be a real top top of the line starter. Yeah. Um, and he, even if he didn't hit those levels, what he did hit was really solid major league, you know, two three pitcher. I mean, he goes down, he's pitching in the World Series and pitching phenomenally. Yes. Um, for Tampa Bay, he had that kind of talent, and I think Delman Young. <laughs> You know, it's kind of like some players, they their reputation builds into their legacy. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. And his reputation and the way that he sort of carried himself undermined anything that yeah. he he ever accomplished here. And so I I completely agree with this trade. And, you know, even it's that kind of thing where like even the ancillary pieces, Jason Bartlett goes down there and all of a sudden this guy who, you know, with Minnesota didn't ever really have that much profile but he's carrying himself a different way and he's providing value that the twins aren't even getting out of the main piece of the trade so anyway i really like that one it was it was 2009 when delman young was screaming at his own teammate jose maharas um and it was there was like a brawl that almost happened it was like between between their own teammates it was it was not a great not a great time to be a, a twins fan so okay you got the oh, number man. eight pick we got three picks left here Okay, um, I'm going with um, a trade that was justifiable that nonetheless uh, is just terrible, and that was Randy Moss for Napoleon Harris, Troy Williamson, yeah. and Adrian Ward. I thought that you know Moss's time here had reached its conclusion at that point, um, but you know this was still the you know what would you say? I mean, uh, up there with the most electrifying receivers in in the NFL at the time. Did he have a sort of baggage that came with his personality? I think that's a fair thing to say. Yeah. Um, and so maybe that hampered them in their ability to trade him. But he was not far removed from one of the best receiving years in NFL history. He clearly still had all of his talent. Um, and he would go on to New England. And when he got to New England and you saw him mesh with that group, um, it was much like the Kevin Garnett. It was kind of that feeling of, you know, watching a player that you loved almost get where you wanted to see them get with your franchise and they go somewhere else and find it. Um, some of that's on on Randy Moss. You know what I mean? Um, but it's just a trade that, that again, you just look at 
when the when the Minnesota sports franchises have lost their marquee stars in the past few decades, Johan Santana, Kevin Garnett, Randy Moss, they have not gotten the return that you need to get from that kind of trade. So anyway, um, and sometimes that's just bad luck. Like we've talked about yesterday. Sometimes you get Justin Jefferson and it all, and it all works out. Sometimes you get Troy Williamson and, uh, and, 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 and it's a miserable trade. I like it. I think that's good. I had that on my honorable mention as well. Um, yeah, I think some of that's results-based. They could have, you know, number seven overall pick is nothing to yes, I sneeze at, but you know, just how bad Troy Williamson was really does cloud that. And, you know, they got a lot of good years out of Moss, but he was, there was still plenty of good football left in Randy Moss as, uh, as he proved um, as the, you know, <laughs> in, in New England and, uh, and beyond. Um, okay. Let me get this. My, this is my last pick, right? This is number, number nine oh, overall right okay. now. All right. Um, okay. I've got, uh, I'm gonna go to the wild right now. Yes. Um, trading in 2009. Um, first round pick Nick Letty out of Eden Prairie, out of the University of Minnesota, um, to Chicago for Cam Barker. They also included a Kim Janssen in that deal. Although Janssen didn't do much with Chicago, but they they traded Letty. They they thought that age, they thought that Barker, um, Cam Barker, um, former number three overall pick, was going to really take off for them. I'm reading them. This is this is how long it's been. I'm reading a Russo's rants blog. In the Star Tribune from February 12, 2010, um, Wild Assistant GM Tommy Thompson reached in Vienna on a scouting trip. You're not going to walk in there in the dead of night and steal a guy like Cam Barker. You're going to have to give up something that hurts. Barker will get better as he gets older, matures, puts everything together. This guy has played pretty well in the NHL. He's a big mobile guy who can shoot the puck. Cam Barker ended up playing 71 games for the Wild. Played 39 more games in the NHL and was out of the league. Nick Letty, on the other hand, played forever in mm-hmm. the NHL. A lot of good seasons with Chicago. A lot of good seasons with, um, with, uh, with, with the uh, with the Islanders. It's still, in fact, in the league. Played pretty well for the Islanders even a year ago. Just looking at his career numbers. I mean, he's. I sorry, he was with St. Louis last year. Yeah. Um, a really, you know, really solid, good NHL player for a lot of his career. You know, was on some good Chicago teams, was on some good, you know, New York teams. Just, you know, really underscoring how bad they they misjudged that. He's played almost a thousand career NHL games. Just a misjudgment of talent in that case. This is, the Russo's rants, I think, takes us to the next level and is really making me wish I had gone through our archives to dig up more, <laughs> dig up more real-time quotes. Oh, I, I just wish I could read whatever in God's name Kevin McHale said about Big Al Jefferson. Oh my gosh. I'm sure it was I'm sure he was effusive in his praise. But that oh, that's, I had to include the wild in this, so we, we got yes. them in there. No, I think it's a total and it's a totally fair argument. I mean, yeah. I also because you've got the you've got the Eden Prairie kid. You've got Eden Prairie. <laughs> I covered Nick Letty in high school. They should have kept him. <laughs> he was anyway. Um, you, can't, you can't just find. I wasn't in high school. He was in high school. You can't anyway, just I'll find get, Cam Barker anywhere. Okay. Can't, you can't just going to walk in and steal Cam Barker in the dead no. of night. Well, as it turns out, uh, you could steal Nick Letty in the dead of night. Okay. Um, number. Okay. This is the last pick in the draft. That we're going to talk about him a little bit and then wrap this up. What do you got at number ten? I'm going away from, we'll talk about it in our mention because I want to diversify from just ripping the wolves. Um, this is a great trade because this is a best and a worst. It's a okay. good, end. it's the kind of trade you can look at and say um, it, it served two purposes, but 
we're going to go back to Fran Tarkington, um, okay. the Giants in 1967, when okay. the Vikings make that trade, they, they get a, they get a piece, they get yep. a real deal player. Um, and, and that they get Ron Yeri and he goes on to, you know, become one of the absolute greatest offensive linemen in the history yep. of the game. So here we are, you have, you have made a perfect trade, but in doing so, the only reason that it worked that way is because you gave up one of the great quarterbacks in NFL history and you had to watch him play with a different, you know, franchise for half a decade and have yes. a lot of success there and then had to go back and get him. So you lose that core, that core era of Tarkington's career. Um, and so anyway, that's why I think it's a, it's the kind of trade that, that if it weren't Tarkington, it's like, it's a, it's a dream because you are finding that player. Um, but I also look at it and think whenever a franchise is making a decision to move on from somebody who it's like the story of Fran Tarkington always has to include that caveat. You know, it always has to include this thing of, you know, kind of like Burt Bly 11, right? It's that thing where you're so identified with a franchise and yet you have this little hiccup where it's like, yeah, but we also did trade. <laughs> we did dump Fran Tarkington for a while because of why exactly. So, yeah. um, Anyway, that's my number 10 pick. I'm doing it just because the Wolves trade I have sitting here, I, I'm just going to leave it be. So anyway. Yeah. Um, okay. Let's let's go through some honorable mentions. What do you got for honorable mentions? I just wanted to talk about Ray Allen for Stefan Marbury. I think it's a great what-if trade. Um, you know, those draft rights. I, I um, Yeah, it's just a great what-if. I think you saw the – you got to see Ray Allen and Garnett win a title together in Boston and – Marbury was, I, I don't even think it's a bad move necessarily on draft night. I think the thrilling combination of Marbury and KG, it's like, man, it had all of this promise with it, but in retrospect is what you look at and you think Ray Allen epitomized a sort of dedication and professionalism uh, and excellence and longevity in the NBA um, that is probably mirrored only by a player like Garnett. You know what I mean? Just a one-of-one Hall of Fame type career. And Marbury, for all of his, uh, you know, particularities and his incredibly unique career, it didn't work out here, and that's all there is to it. So that's why I had that as an honorable mention. I like that. I had some other ones. I had the Brent Burns, Charlie mm. Coyle trade. Um, yes. You know, Coyle was good here, and they got Devin Setaguchi. He was fine. But Burns, man, he had he's had a great, uh, great career. I had... Um, the Wolves trading Sam Cassell and a future first round pick for Marco Yarich. Jesus. Um, when that was not a good trade. Um, <laughs> uh, the Matt Caps, Wilson Ramos deal, although he kind of understood that because they thought Mauer was going to be the catcher forever. And yeah. Caps was good in 2010. So I think we've kind of, that's kind of one of those revisionist history, judging the outcomes kind of trades. But, you know, it is, it is still true. And then um, got to get Minnesota United on the board. Christian Ramirez to LAFC for allocation money in 2018, and then they've been I searching for uh, they've been searching for a striker ever since then. Maybe they found one now in, in Team Lukaku, but searching found, found found. But yeah, but they searched five years. They searched five years for it, and <laughs> we can't forget the uh, the ill fated Tyler Malley trade. Not only Spencer Steer, who's wow. been very good for the Reds this year, but now also. Christian Encarnacion Strand, who has a OPS of a thousand at Triple A, I yes. bet the Twins could use those two hitters right now instead of the injured Tyler Malley, who will probably walk at the end of this year. Ken Shaw, uh, you know, sports uh, editor Ken Shaw, somewhere right now, applauding everything that you're saying. Yes, uh, that Brent Burns trade. That's that might that maybe should have been on the list. Yeah, that, that, I, yeah. I wavered between that and the Barker trade, uh, the Barker yeah. and Letty trade. But that was that one. 
again, they got good players, but man, Burns has been just just such a good, like really good, like I don't know, like borderline Hall of Famer since they since they got rid of him, and it's been a long yeah, time. I had that sub interesting because the strip had done some great reporting on Burns, uh, you know, and he had such a unique personality. He just snakes. He huh? It snakes. A lot of snakes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, you got to have them if you're going to, you know, if you're going <laughs> to, if you're going to be on the edge playing defense, you got to have a little bit of that wild in your life, you know? Um, This is great. I don't know. I think we did all right. I think we did, did all right too. I will, uh, I will put all these together. We'll, we'll, you know, vote on these, rank them up. I'll put, we'll put them online. Find me, at Randball, Twitter, thread, send me an email, mrand.startsbean.com to recap really quick how we how we stacked these up. I had the number one overall pick in the worst trades draft. I took Herschel Walker. Jeff Day took the Rod Carew trade, number two. I got the Gobert trade at three. You've got Santana, Johan Santana at number four. I like that pick a lot. I had the Jimmy Butler trade to Philadelphia at five. You went um, the KG trade at six, which I also agree with. I had the Matt Garza, Jason Barlett for Delman yeah. Young, Brennan Harris deal at seven. You went Randy Moss at eight. Can't disagree with that. I went with uh, the Nick Letty, Cam Barker deal at nine. And then you finished things off with the the other Fran Tarkin trade. The only one I think that made it to both lists, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Um, although I had the Sam Cassell um honorable mention in this one and i had him on the uh, the good trades list the first time through so well, and he had butler on the good trades list some so i mean i i didn't I, but not officially but i thought he i thought that i said i would i would not be opposed to putting that in the top 10 and not officially yeah no i'm with you okay so so that's what we got uh jeff i appreciate this hope you guys all enjoyed uh these uh, these two sessions as well and uh jeff we'll talk again soon i love it all right thank you so much this was great and thanks for the idea. This was all Jeff's idea. I should give credit to him. Um, I, know I put together some of the format, but this was Jeff's baby. This was his idea. He said, let's do this. We expanded on it. We made it a thing. And now it is uh, now it is in your ears. Yeah, I just want you to know, if you hadn't selected Rudy Gobert, I would not have selected Rudy Gobert. Not at all? No. Unbelievable. Too wow. early. Just yeah, no, wait not too early. Ball. We got to make a call. Got to be. You're bringing, be me back. You're bringing me back on next year. We're going to be having a different conversation. I'm doing it. this all. I'm doing this all for the voting, and I'm going to get all the votes. <laughs> all right. Thanks. Thanks, Jeff. All right. Thanks, Rick.